We need the key to it, and that is peace. Peace in our lives. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny tonight, you know, given what just took place about an hour, hour and a half ago, you know, I'm sitting in my office typing this thing up and studying this thing out, and all of a sudden, you know, all hell breaks loose in one sense. I thought I wasn't going to be able to get out of here to go home and pick up my family. Uh, it was hailing, it's storming, you know, you got stuff banging on this tin roof up here, and, you know, it sounds worse than it is, but I'm thinking, wow, you know, if this isn't a picture of what people's lives are like on the inside, that things are falling apart, things are breaking loose, and we need to discover how to have peace in the midst of all of it. So that's where I want to go. Um, there's many different ways we could talk about peace. I could talk about peace and not worrying. I could talk about peace and not uh, being anxious for things. I could talk about peace in relationships um, and having peace with each other. But where I want to go tonight is peace versus fear. And I want, to, I want to help us discover what fear is, how to combat fear, why fear shouldn't have a stronghold on our lives, how we can shut that down, and how we can walk in peace. Because if you're fearful, there's no peace going on. If you're scared, you're not peaceful about anything. And so we need to discover how to get this peace um, and not let fear operate in our lives. So let's look at this. Let's start with uh, John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 27. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And one of the awesome, one of the most awesome things you'll find in the Bible about peace or when somebody says fear not, which by the way, fear not or do not fear or have courage, that's in the Bible over a hundred times. We're told to do that. There was someone that did some kind of study that said uh, fear not or do not be afraid was in the Bible 365 times. So for every day of the year, you're being told, do not fear. But I don't think that's a true statement. It depends on what translation you read, I guess. But it's in there over a hundred times where someone's being told, do not be afraid, do not fear, have courage. And what's so cool about it is people are being told that, if you look throughout the Bible, right before they're about to do something crazy or while they're in the midst of something crazy. And that's when they're told, do not be afraid. And so we need to look at this and, and how we can have peace in the midst of these things. A lot of us are waiting to come out of the trial or waiting to come out of the test in our lives before we do not fear or before we uh, have peace residing in our lives. But we need to learn how to have peace in the midst of it. It's kind of like what we talked about last week with joy. Joy is a perspective. We said joy is not an emotion. Joy is not based upon how everything is going on in your life. Joy is based upon what you are putting your mind on because you can have joy in the midst of a sad moment. You can have joy in the midst of an anxious or worrisome moment. And so this is the same thing with peace. It's a perspective. It's how you look at a situation. It's not based on the situation. And so we need to learn how to have peace in the midst of this. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let, ne neither let it be afraid. Do not be in fear. And so he says here, my peace I give to you. But look what he says, not as the world gives. And this is what we've been talking about. This is why we've been uh, talking so much about the keys of the kingdom. 
Because we all have a way of trying to eradicate these things in our lives. We all have a way that we can get more money and get wealth, naturally speaking. We all have a way to make ourselves happy and try to, to you know, get rid of depression and get rid of anxiety. There's pills you can take. There's doctors you can see. We all have a way that we're trying to get healed or trying to receive healing for something in our bodies. But Jesus says here, I have a peace to give to you, my peace, that the world cannot give to you. The world cannot offer you what I'm offering. So right away, we've got to understand there's a particular, specific peace we're after. And it has nothing to do with what the world has to offer. Now let's go over to Joshua chapter 1. I want to show you a, a, a little bit of a pattern here real quick. This is one of my favorite passages uh, in, in all of the Bible. In the entire Bible. This was something I was raised on as a kid. These were uh, verses that I memorized real young. And these are some of the most awesome passages you'll ever come across. And Joshua chapter 1 verse 6. Joshua is getting ready to go in. Moses has just died. And Joshua has now taken over the entire Israelite band. And he's getting ready to take them into the promised land. This thing that they've been uh, marching around and wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years now. They're getting ready to finally move into what God has called them to do. And so... This is a very huge task that Joshua is getting ready to take on. And in verse 6, God says, Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. See, the world has a way to become prosperous. And the world has a way and a definition of being successful. But right here, God is showing Joshua, if you obey my word, you will be prosperous, and you will, you will find success. Now, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So, right here before a great moment for Joshua, God is telling him, do not be afraid. So, he's letting him know, what you're getting ready to do offers fear in your life. There's some fear that might try to attach itself to you based upon what I've called you to do. Now let's go over to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Comes right after 1 Chronicles. It's kind of funny how that works. And uh, let's go to verse 14. We've got a king here named Jehoshaphat. And he's got three nations that all of a sudden decided they want to come up against him. And King Jehoshaphat did what we wish all of our leaders would do. He got into a situation where he had no idea what he's going to do. What am I going to do? I am leading your people. God, I'm leading your people. And now there's other opposition and there's adversity that's wanting to come against me. And Jehoshaphat shows us what we should all do 
when opposition comes or when adversity comes. And it says earlier in this chapter, in uh, 2 Chronicles 20, that he went and he sought the Lord and got the whole nation to seek the Lord. How many of us take time to do that? How many of us, when we get into a dire situation or something that look, that's looking bad, adversity's coming, opposition's coming, something's coming to stop us, and how many of us stop and seek the Lord? Or do we find something else to seek? Or do we just walk in fear and worry? But Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 14, because Jehoshaphat sought the Lord, verse 14 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite, of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all you of Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, just said, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, nor dismayed, because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And then he gives him instructions on what to do when they go out to battle. So again, God is setting them up saying, what you're getting ready to do, you may encounter a lot of fear. You may encounter something in your life where fear is going to try to attach itself to you. Fear is going to try to take over your mindset. And he's letting them know, do not be afraid nor dismayed. Second occurrence. Now let's do one more. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And let's start with verse 26. Luke 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, betrothed to the man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, and the, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Look what Gabriel says. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And then he goes on and lets her know, You're going to give birth to a baby boy, you're going to name him Jesus. He's going to be the Savior of the world. Why did he say, do not be afraid? Because Mary is getting ready to do something crazy. Mary is now receiving an assignment from God that how in the world am I going to explain this one? How am I going to explain this to Joseph? How am I going to explain this to my parents, to my family? God's putting me in a predicament that naturally could bring a lot of fear along with it. And so Gabriel tells her, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Here's the first thing you need to know about fear. Here's the first thing we need to know about fear. Fear is a tool the devil uses to keep you from doing anything great in your life. Fear, you could almost put it this way, fear is the tool. It is the number one way the enemy tries to stop you. If he can get you in fear, you won't accomplish anything. I'll tell you right now, fearful people do not accomplish anything great for the kingdom of God. The first thing you have to get rid of in your life is fear. 
And we need to, we need to learn how to control this. We need to learn how to break this. We need to learn how to get out of this stronghold that the enemy uses. Because the fear tactic is how the enemy gets you off of your course. Fear is how he stops you from fulfilling God's purpose for your life. God is not asking us to do anything that naturally won't be fearful. Fear will come with that, with the assignment. You might have a fear of, am I going to be a good mom? You might have a fear of, should I take this job? You might have a fear of, should I go back to school? You might have a fear of, uh, uh, you know, just anything in life. And fear comes because you are getting ready to do something great. In fact, you can put it this way. If fear is trying to attach itself to your life, you can almost be certain that you are on the verge of something great in your life. Now that should help us out. If we see fear trying to attach itself to our life, to, to our lives, we need to understand that we may be on the verge of something great happening in our lives. Fear is a sign that the devil is trying to stop you from getting somewhere. That's, what, that's, that's why the enemy uses fear. If, if you are seeing fear evident in your life about something you know, uh, that, that's in your life that you're trying to press on into or you're trying to achieve or there's a purpose you're trying to fulfill, along with that assignment, the enemy is going to try to attach fear to you to keep you from fulfilling and moving forward in that assignment. Look at this in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Luke chapter 12 Verse 32, Jesus speaks and he says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, you have access to the kingdom. My Father wants you to have the kingdom. God wants you to obtain the kingdom and everything that the kingdom has for you. But what is he saying? Do not fear. He's saying the kingdom is so great that for you to achieve it, the enemy is going to try to get you to be to walk in fear and be afraid of the next step in your life so you don't access the kingdom of God. Satan uses fear to keep you from possessing or accessing something. He did this with Joshua. In fact, we could go to Numbers chapter 13. Write it down, Numbers chapter 13. In Numbers chapter 13, we have a very detrimental thing happen. God promised the promised land to Abraham. And now we, here we are thousands of years later. Thousands. I mean, we've gone, we've gone through Isaac, we've gone through Jacob, we've gone through Esau, we've gone through Joseph. Now we're getting into Moses. And in Numbers chapter 13, God's people are finally at the verge of accessing the promised land. They're right there. And so what do they do? They send in spies to spy out the land. The promised land, which has already been 
promised to them thousands of years before to a man that has already died and gone on. And now you have the Israelites at the verge of accessing the promised land. They send in 12 spies. Two come back with a great report. It's awesome. It's the, it's the land flowing with milk and honey. It's got everything God promised us. Let's go in and take it. God has already given it to us. It's called the promised land. There's an ED on there, past tense. If somebody has already promised you something, then that means it's already yours. Remember what we've been talking about? Just because you don't possess something doesn't mean you don't own it. And there's a lot of us that because we're not in possession of things, we don't think we own it. And we've got to learn that ownership is not always, or possession is not always related to ownership. There are things that belong to us that the devil right now has possession of. Does that make him the owner? No. They've already been promised to us. The Bible says that God's promises are yes and amen. That means that's it. If he promises to, if he promises it to you, it's yours. So now we've got the Israelites to go in with the, come back with a good report. Ten spies come back with a terrible report. They, at first, they started off great. It got huge, uh, uh, you know, tons of fruit. It's flowing with milk and honey. This is the land. It's awesome. But then they quickly turn around and they say, but there's giants in the land. There's somebody else that's possessing what belongs to us. And because of that report, the entire group of people went in an uproar. And became sad. And it says actually that they cried all night long. And you got Joshua and Caleb. Who are like, what is going on here? This is ours. We just have to go in and take it. But because of the report of ten spies. And so fear came on the multitude. They said, we're grasshoppers in their sight. These guys are so big. That we're, I mean, we are grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we can overcome them. There's no way we can take the city. There's no way we can conquer this land. Even though God had already given the word, it is yours. So what stopped them? Was it, was it the devil? Let me ask you this. Did the people of the land that were in there, did these giants stop them? No. They just talked about the giants. Who kept the Israelites from going into the promised land? The Israelites. You, fear can only have a hold of you where you let it have a hold of you. It is a tactic of the enemy. But fear will only have as much control in your life as you give it control in your life. And Joshua and Caleb were not ready to let fear stop them from pursuing and advancing into this territory. That's what I just said, that that Satan uses fear to keep you from accessing territory that belongs to you. Do finances belong to you? Yes. Does provision belong to you? Yes. Does healing belong to you? But you know how many people don't access their healing because of fear? So this is the question that we have. How do we break the stronghold of fear? 
How do we break this tactic that the enemy uses in our lives to keep us from accessing things in our lives? Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. We're going to answer this question. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We've been talking about that in prayer. And what does this verse tell us to do? Ask. Why? Because God can't do anything unless we ask. Verse 7. Look what happens. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Here's the thing we have to understand. If you're in fear, you need some peace. I've known some people that were so sick that they were on the verge of dying. And when you get that sick, there's fear running around rampant all day long. How do we break that? It says here that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. Why do we need it to guard our minds? Let's keep going. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. That word meditate means to chew on. It means to think on. It means to, to, to stay in. Fear operates in the mind. That's where fear takes place. If you are afraid of something, you are afraid of it in your mind. It's your perspective of the thing, and you are fearful of it. You are afraid of it. The ten spies, how could twelve men go into the same exact land and two come out with a different perspective than the other ten? It's what they meditated on. Joshua and Caleb meditated on what? This is the promised land. God has already given it to us. We are more than able to take it. The ten spies meditated on what? We are grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we can take this land. These guys are way bigger than us. They will destroy us. They will beat us. So, what kept Joshua and Caleb from falling into the same trap that the other ten fell in. It's what they thought on. It's what they gave thought to. Let's go back to Genesis chapter or uh, Joshua chapter 1. And in that, those verses 6 through 8, what was a reoccurring thing? Let's pull that back up. Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to the fathers. God is giving them a, re he's giving Joshua a reminder right here. Remember, I've already given you this land. Past tense, verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Here we go. That you may observe to do according 
to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. So what's he saying? Meditate, stay in my word. Because that is how you're going to drive out fear. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Now verse 8, here we go. This This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall, what's that word? Meditate. You shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. This is the same thing that Paul was writing in Philippians chapter 4. If you want the peace of God to reign in your life, If you want the peace of God to guard your mind and guard your heart, meditate on what? Whatever things are pure, whatever things are good, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. There's a reason why you and someone else can be in the same predicament and have two separate responses to the situation. I'm not saying that you'll never be in a position in life that's not fearful. I'm saying that you can remain in peace in the midst of fearful situations. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about when someone, when when the boss comes in and says, we're having to lay everybody off, we're shutting it down, we can't do it. You and your coworker can have two separate responses to the same exact situation. That's what I'm talking about. How can you operate in peace and the other operate in fear? Because someone else is meditating on a bad report. Somebody else is meditating on what I'm going to do about my family. What am I going to do about money? What am I going to do about bills? What am I going to do about my house? What am I going to do about my car? And you're meditating on God is my provider. According to his riches and glory, he will supply my needs. I have all strength through him. He is my provider. He's taking care of me. He is my Lord. He's my supplier. Two separate things that we're meditating on. Two separate things that we're giving thought to. Two separate things that we're thinking on on a regular basis. That's why 12 guys can go into a land full of giants and two come out with a separate report than the other ten. The devil cannot get you afraid of what you don't let fear operate in your life on. The devil cannot uh, get you afraid of what you choose not to be afraid of. It's where you choose to put your thinking. Now let me take that a step further. The devil cannot stop you from fulfilling your assignment. The devil cannot stop you. He cannot put anything in your way to keep you from fulfilling your assignment. The only one that can stop you from fulfilling your assignment in life is you. That's it. See, all the rest of those those ten spies, and you go on to read in, in Numbers chapter 14, it gets real bad. It gets so bad that God ends up opening up the earth and swallowing a bunch of people because of their rebellion to go in. I mean, they were actually disobeying a command. 
God wasn't saying, hey, here's this land for you, and if you feel like it, go ahead and take it. It was a command. Go in and take this land. This is where I want you to reside. This is where I want my people. This is where I want my nation to be. And they disobeyed a command, and because of their rebellion, God had to take care of them. But the devil did not stop those other ten spies. The giants did not stop the other ten spies. The, 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 the strongholds that come against your life are not what stop you. You stop yourself. We sell ourselves short. Because we allow fear to rule and reign in our life rather than casting down those thoughts. 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 verse 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. John is saying there, what Jesus was in the earth, you are in the earth. As he is, so are we. Now look what he says in verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. Establishing a relationship with God is the greatest thing to overcoming any fear in your life. The Bible actually says that God is love. Perfect love casts out fear. I'm going to tell you the greatest thing to you overcoming fear in your life is establishing and appropriating a right relationship with God the Father. The biggest thing that's going to help you go to battle is realize who's on your side. That's why uh, God told Joshua, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Why? I'm going into battle with you. I'm not just sitting up here watching this thing. I'm on your side. That's why he told Jehoshaphat in 2 Corinthians or 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he said, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. A lot of times the reason why we walk in fear and allow fear to operate in our lives is because we think we're the only ones fighting. Fear is running rampant in our lives because we think we're doing this thing all by ourselves. Yet if we would establish a relationship with God, if we would learn that He's on our side, if we would learn that He's fighting for us, then there wouldn't be any fear. So we need to establish that. John chapter 16. John chapter 16 and verse 33. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me... You may have peace. He's saying, I want you to have peace. And you will find peace by staying in my words. He said, these things I have spoken. He's saying, my words will bring peace to your life. That's why why God told Joshua, meditate in my word. Stay in my word. And then you will have peace. Meditate on my word. Meditate on what's good. Meditate on what's lovely. Meditate on the good report and you'll have peace in your life and fear will not be able to reign. He goes further in John 16, 33. 
And he says, in the world you will have tribulation. In the world you will have tribulation. Again, I'm not saying you will never encounter a uh, you will never encounter a fearful situation in your life. I'm not saying that. You may walk out of here and encounter a fearful situation. You may wake up tomorrow and have a fearful situation in your life. But look what Jesus says. But be of good cheer. For what I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. That should be a verse that we all have pinned up somewhere in our lives. Get it in your car. Get it on your mirror. You need to get that verse in front of your face on a regular basis. The only reason why we're operating in fear in situations is because we allow ourselves to be fearful in those situations. The only reason why fear is controlling us and ruling us is because we have allowed ourselves to meditate and think on fearful thoughts, fearful things. Well, what if this doesn't work out? What if they don't want to reconcile the relationship? What if they don't want to be my friend? What if they don't give me that job? What if I'm not going to be a good mom? What if I'm not going to be a good wife? We can, we can run that course all day long. And that's why Philippians 4.8 says, If you want the peace of God guarding your heart and guarding your mind, then you better think on something different. You better think on what's pure. You better think on what's lovely. And this is a verse right here that we need to get in front of us. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The Bible actually says that we are more than overcomers through Christ Jesus. You're an overcomer because you're in Him and He's an overcomer. Everything Jesus is, you are. He's already overcome the world. That means anything you come up against, any trial, any test, and they will come. You are already an overcomer of that situation. It's kind of like what we said about joy last week. It's how you go through the trial, and it's how you go through the test that determines who you are when you come out of it. And there's assignments that are on our lives. Look, there's all kinds of fear that can try to attach itself to my life and that has in the past on different assignments that God has given me. I tell you right now, there was literal fear that tried to come on my life when Pastor Earl called me and asked me to be a children's pastor. I know it sounds ridiculous, but again, what is the enemy doing to keep you out of your purpose? I had an assignment God wanted me to fulfill. I had a purpose that he had for my life, and that was to minister to children and bring the kingdom to children. And if I operated out of the fear that I first initially felt, I would have never fulfilled that assignment. I would not have gone into the promised land. I would not have accessed the territory that God had already laid out for me. God didn't call me to be a children's pastor and then said, all right, we'll see how this goes. No, he called me to be a children's pastor and knew that he would be able to equip me to do what I need to do. See, here's the problem we have in life. We think God is walking out our lives with us on a day-to-day -day basis. 
We think that our, the things that surprise us surprise God. We think that uh, if we lose our job tomorrow, that God is all of a sudden having to wing it up in heaven and saying, all right, what are we going to do now? But the thing we have to understand is that your life has already been predestined and laid out before you were ever born. He already knows your, the end of your life before you even got started. There's no surprises to God. He's not trying to figure this thing out with you. you you're not going home and saying, all right, how am I going to pay this bill tomorrow? And he's thinking, all right, let's put our brains together. Let's do this. He's already got it figured out. Before you got in debt, he already had a way for you to get out. Before you already got under that car payment, he already had a way for you to get out. Before you got the sickness, he already had a way for you to get out. Before you became depressed, he already had a way for you to get out. So we have to understand, he has already overcome the world. That's why Jesus could say, my peace I give to you. You think Jesus is worried? I mean, we'd be in a bad spot if God was worried about the same things we're worried about. We'd be in a bad spot if Jesus and God are, are putting their heads together trying to figure this thing out just like we are. But he said, no, my peace I give to you. Because the trials and the tests and the tribulation that's going to try to come against your life, there will be fearful situations, but you can be fearless in the midst of a fearful situation. Because I have already overcome the world. And so that's how we combat this fear. That's how we attack this fear. Look, this is something that people are trying to access in their lives. Everybody's looking for peace. Everybody's looking for peace. There are people that are waking up one morning, and they, they're, they're just about to have a breakdown, man. They're just about to lose it. All hell's falling, uh, their lives are falling apart. Hell's breaking loose against them. Uh, the, the, their family's falling apart. Their job's falling apart. They're way in over their head. And they don't know anywhere to go for peace. Now, this is kind of what we said last week, and it's the same thing. The same thing, the same way you get joy, is the same way you get peace. And it's what I call the attention factor. You have to find a way to get out from under everything that's bringing you the fear in your life. If you are fearful about a situation, you have to find a way to not think about it. Now, here's what a lot of people do. Well, I'm just not going to think about it. Who in here has that actually worked for? I'm just, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about that bill. Nope. I'm not going to think about it. I know that they're going to come and they're going to take this thing. But, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to think about it. No, I'm not thinking about it. Nope. You are thinking about it in the act of trying not to think about it. So how do we not think about something? Replace it with something else. So that's why God said, look, if you go, if you try to go into the promised land and you see all these giants everywhere and you try to tell yourself, I'm not going to think about it, I'm not going to think about it, I'm not going to think about it, then you're going to be in the, you're going to be in trouble. But here's the command I'm going to give you, Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8. Be strong and of good courage. Meditate on my word day and night. 
Remember, I promised you this land. Remember, I gave this to Abraham way before you even existed. Remember, I've already given you this land. It is yours to go in and access. Think about that. And guess what? The enemy can't hold you back. The the enemy has no way to stop you. The only reason the devil brings fear in your life is to keep you from accessing territory, is to keep you from taking back things that belong to you, is to keep you from fulfilling an assignment on your life. But if we can replace thoughts of fear, if we can get out of that, you say, well, what in the the word am I supposed to think on? Get in the word. I can promise you right now, this is a good report. I can promise you right now that you'll find many ways in here that God rescued and redeemed other people and you'll end up, you'll, you'll close the Bible knowing He can do the same for me. But it's an attention factor. Anybody that I see that's, that's operating in any of these things, if, if you're operating in, in fear, if you're operating in worry, if you're operating in anxiety, if you're operating in depression... I already know what you're giving attention to. I already know what you're reading on a daily basis. I already know what you're thinking about. I know what kind of music you're listening to. I know what you're watching on TV. I know what kind of friends you're hanging out with. So we have to be careful of what we give attention to. That's the hardest thing for people to do is to cut things off. But we've got to learn... That Look, there's an assignment that needs to be fulfilled. There's a purpose on my life that's way too important than for me to try to appease some friends. Look, I can't talk to you right now because all you're going to do is try to get me to wallow in your problem. And, and although I'm in a crisis right now, you're just going to pat me on the back and say, you know, everything is just going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, I, I had to go through that. You know, that was terrible. I, you know, good luck. Some friends, they just don't have anything good to say when we get in some really nasty situations. And we got to find a way to cut all that off and say, you know what? I've got something that I'm in the, in the midst of pursuing. I've got something I'm in the midst of accessing. And so uh, I can't talk to you right now. I got to go get in the Word. I got to get in the Word. I got to go. I got to change the music I'm listening. I got to listen to some music that's going to be uplifting. I've got to listen to some music that's going to praise and worship God. We've got to change it. It's the attention factor. I can't help anybody that doesn't want to change any of that. I've had plenty of people come and approach me. They're having issues with this and issues with that. Having depression issues and having anxiety issues. And the answer is, every time, what are you giving attention to? But I can't help anybody that wants to continue to listen to the same friends, continue to play the same music, continue to watch the same stuff. I can't help you. You are only making room. Because see, those are all devices and tools that the enemy is using to bring more fear, to bring more depression, to bring more anxiety, to bring more worry. And especially, get away from the report, the bad report. There are people that put themselves in worrisome situations and fearful situations just because they, they take on someone else's fear of worry. They watch the news and they, that's all they do all night long is see how bad everything is going in the world. 
And all of a sudden, their life is terrible. And so we got to be careful of that. we got to protect our minds. we got to protect what we're letting in up here. Because what you give attention to, that's where you're strongest. I saw someone uh, made a comment. They said, feed your faith and your fears will starve to death. Feed your faith. I mean, we all know whatever you feed gets bigger. Whatever you feed gets stronger. And whatever you feed is the most healthy. That's how we literally get bigger, stronger, and healthier. Eating. If I go to the gym, whatever I work out the most is going to get the biggest. I saw a hilarious picture on Facebook a couple days ago where it had this big old huge guy. I mean, he's just massive up top. And he had these tiny little legs. And the comment on it said, friends don't let friends skip leg day. <laughs> but there's guys that do that. I've seen them. Just about every gym I go to, you got that one guy that all he does is upper body. That's all he cares about. He's doing nothing for his legs. He's got these little skinny old chicken legs like you can walk over and just hit them in the top of his head and he's going to fall over. Why? Whatever you feed, whatever you exercise, whatever you build up, that's what's getting bigger and stronger. No wonder our fears are bigger. Because that's all we feed. No wonder the depression's bigger. Because that's all we feed. No wonder our anxiety and worry is bigger. But no, if we want joy, if we want peace, if we want faith, then we have to start feeding those areas in our lives. And then we'll start overcoming in all these situations. We'll see these keys of the kingdom. We'll see them operate in our lives. There's many other ways that people want to promise you peace. Everyone wants to promise you peace. Everyone wants to promise you joy. People want to promise you wealth and finances. People want to promise you healing. You watch TV long enough and you'll see. Why? Because everybody's in search of that stuff. Everybody's looking for joy. Everybody's looking for peace. Everybody's looking for health. Everybody's looking for provision and wealth. I mean, you can go to seminars for all these things. You can turn on, uh, you know, the, the infomercials. And there'll be something on there promising, promising you better health, promising you uh, a, a better way to make money, promising you uh, joy and happiness in your life. But if we're going to operate in the kingdom, then we have to use the keys to the kingdom. We cannot, use a, we cannot solely rely on a worldly system. And let me say this because I've said that quite a bit, and I'm not talking against worldly systems. I'm not saying don't ever go out and get a loan. I'm not saying don't ever go out and take medicine. I'm not saying don't ever go out and find a doctor. I'm not saying that at all. Those things can be tools. I know plenty of pastors that were directed by God to go get a specific loan for a building or for a church. Are they in sin or are they in rebellion because they went and got a loan because they used the worldly system? It's not what I'm saying. But they are not relying solely on the worldly system. Their emphasis is in, God, what do you want me to do? Remember, He created all this. I'm not telling you to ignore the very things He created. But use them at His discretion and not ours. A lot of times, see the difference is, is who are you going to first? That's what we have to build up. 
I'm sick, the first thing I do is get a pill. The first thing I do is call the doctor. No, God should be the first place we go. I need need to purchase this thing for my business. And the first place we go is the bank. The first place we go is someone that can loan us the money. First place we go is the credit card. And God is saying, come to me first. And then I'll direct you into what source and what tool to use for that specific situation. And so that's why we have to understand the keys of the kingdom. So we can access things and get a kingdom response in our lives. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you.